Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair back again is Nick Suss. Covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, and today's guest on the Modern Woodman phone line, all-time Ole Miss baseball great Chris Coglin. Coming up in about 20 minutes, but first, Nick, how you doing this Tuesday, my friend? Pretty good. I should have eaten more today. Wow, what a way to grab the people and bring them in. Yeah, I would have had a better intro if I ate more today. Good grief. Ole Miss hosts LSU this weekend, beat New Mexico State over the weekend as expected, 41-3. to I didn't watch a minute of the game. I was in Memphis covering Matthew Morrell's commitment to Ole Miss basketball. Number 43 in the country, four-star, the top-ranked prospect since the inception of recruiting rankings to ever commit to Ole Miss. Plenty to come this week about Matthew Morrell. More on that day. But your takeaways from New Mexico State and looking ahead to LSU. We've got a lot to talk about with Ole Miss football. Yeah, you want to start with offense or defense? Yes, choice. All right, let's let's talk a little bit of defense because I feel like we fixate on the offense. Uh, we've talked so much this entire year about the secondary and the issues covering the pass and all that stuff. And obviously with Joe Burrow coming to town with this highly electric LSU offense, there's reason to be concerned. This team's putting up 46 on Alabama. What are they going to do to Ole Miss? But I mean, if you believe in any positivity you can glean from New Mexico State, the last 10 quarters, this team hasn't given up a passing touchdown. Ole Miss's secondary, definitely not going to be good enough to slow down Joe Burrow, but they've taken some steps forward in the last couple of weeks, holding Auburn without a passing touchdown, holding a New Mexico State team that throws the ball like 60, 70% of the time without a touchdown. A little bit more impressive than I expected after seeing the way the season started. He's Nick Suss. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Before we really get going, let me tell you about my bookie, an impact by Ironwood. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000 right now, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code TOC, TOC for Talk of Champions, to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code TOC to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, 
You win, you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Morell's press conference was at 1 p.m. I got out of there about 2.30, went and found a steakhouse with some TVs so I could watch Alabama LSU as I wrote. And I can't tell you how refreshing it was to watch Alabama be the underdog against an LSU team that was clearly better than them. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a fascinating game to watch. I was up in the press box watching the Ole Miss game, obviously, but the camera operators who was sitting in front of me had the game up on his iPad. And for some reason, his iPad stream was about eight seconds ahead of what my laptop stream could have been. So I was watching the game in the foreground but underneath it, I had like a small little iPad view. So I got to watch both games simultaneously. And nice getting to see an LSU team that the quarterback situation had been the equivalent of what Alabama's kicker situation had been. That's a, I'm stealing that from a friend of mine who's an LSU fan. Those are the two positions that have held the teams back. And obviously when your kicker's your problem, you win five national championships. When your quarterback's your problem, you don't. Now LSU seems to have found the answer and it's fascinating to see them uh, play the way they have. You were down that way for a while covering... Louisiana sports your thoughts on how far LSU has come since your time there yeah I was covering LSU for the 16 and 17 seasons which is right when they transitioned from Les Miles into Ed Ogeron I was there when Les Miles got fired I was there when Coach O lost to Troy I I saw a lot of the bleak moments but even through those moments I, I remember saying back in 2017 that by 2019 this would be a contender recruiting class was shaping out that they were playing a ton of freshmen in 2017 and you were looking at it and saying man when these kids are juniors they're going to be studs and now those kids are guys like Grant Delpit who's a guaranteed top 10 pick it feels like and guys like that who have really really panned out you look at the receivers Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase who might be every bit as good as the receivers Alabama has this was something on the radar that LSU fans thought could happen the two things that no one thought was going to happen. Or one, Joe be on this roster. He was an afterthought third string quarterback at Ohio State at the time I was down there. Uh, he didn't transfer to LSU until probably May. Oh, no, he did transfer to LSU the day the company I worked for went out of business. I do remember that. And the other thing they didn't see coming was Joe Brady, this, this offensive mastermind that they uh, hired away from the New Orleans Saints coaching staff, who has opened this up because... The one knock on LSU for so long was they're not willing to open up the offense. They say they're going to run a spread, and then they run an I formation. They say they're going to run four wide, and then they run an I formation. This year, they have been very willing to go five wide, really open up the offense. And, and that's taken them to the next level that I think a lot of people, myself included, foresaw them being able to do this year. So the shift with Ed Orgeron from the disaster that he was at Ole Miss to the interim tag at LSU also had the interim tag at USC, to now becoming, without question, none of us can deny it anymore, one of the better head coaches in college football, not surprising to you? Not entirely. The one thing that's going to be worth monitoring is what happens when LSU extends Ogeron. 
Because when they hired him, they hired him on the assumption that we can underpay a top flight head coach so we can go out and spend as much money as possible on his staff. And they paid a ton of money to Dave Aranda as the defensive coordinator. He still might be the highest paid assistant coach in college football. They paid a ton of money at the time to Matt Canada, who was their offensive coordinator in 2017. And that really did not work out for either parties. It was a it was a mutual split if I've ever seen one. But they're still paying Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger and they're paying position coaches. And, and they really surrounded Ogeron with as many good coaches as possible. Now, if Ogeron goes 15-0 this year or wins the SEC or any of the stuff that happens, you're going to have to start paying him the way schools, maybe not pay Saban, but at the very least, the way schools pay a Dabo or a Jimbo Fisher or, or these guys who have won a championship. You can't ignore he's going to be in that tier. And if you start allocating money to him instead of the assistants, it will be interesting to see how good of a coach he remains. Because you know as well as anybody, Ben, the knock on him when he was at Ole Miss was he didn't let his assistants do anything. Exactly right. He wanted his hands in every aspect of his program, and it absolutely buried him at Ole Miss. I think we're past, though, the Ed Orgeron Ole Miss revenge tour. I don't think you'll see that narrative this weekend. It's more or less about Ole Miss holding on and being competitive against the best team in the country. Yeah, I think you might be right about the the revenge tour not being a story anymore. But I think one thing that people will be talking about is just Ogeron's transformation. Twelve years ago, when he was last in Oxford, he was a coach who was a phenomenal recruiter who couldn't win with his talent. 12 years later, he is still that phenomenal recruiter and he's winning with his talent. So maybe he's not going to say, oh, I'm mad at Ole Miss. And maybe Ole Miss isn't going to say, oh, we're mad at Ogeron. I think it's just going to be this puzzled perspective from everybody saying, well, how did that guy become this guy? It's a fascinating transformation. I I mean, you look at some of the losses he had that first year, it looked like he wasn't going to last a full season. And now less than three years later, He's the odds-on favorite to win a national title. That's absurd how quickly he turned it around, and it's impressive. Joe Burrow, easily the Heisman leader right now? Yeah, I was looking at the MGM odds uh, Monday, and I think he was minus 1,000, and the next best person was plus 1,000. Like, he's just running away with it right now. And at this time last year, Tua had run away with it, and then Kyler had a phenomenal last three games of the season. So I'm not going to rule out the possibility of Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields or CeeDee Lamb as a receiver or Chubba Hubbard if he puts up stupid numbers at running back. Jonathan Taylor, it's possible anybody can come up and steal this from him, but they're going to have to steal it because it doesn't seem like Joe's going to slow down. The most interesting question to me is whether or not Joe Burrow has now leapfrogged Tua for the best quarterback in the upcoming draft class. Tua was not great in the first quarter and a half on Saturday. He started to look like vintage Tua. Let's just say the second half. I don't want to have to draw a line somewhere in the second quarter. But in the second half, and especially in that fourth quarter, they were trading body blows. Those two quarterbacks looked like the guys who were going to be top five picks. I still prefer Tua. I've said that on the record many, many times. I think the only knock on Tua is his durability, and that's obviously a huge knock. Whereas... With Burrow, you have the questions of, well, is he dink and dunking? Is he a system guy? I don't think he is, but you can't criticize Tua of being a system guy just because of how versatile he is. Burrow didn't look that great last year, looked like any other LSU quarterback last year, and then this year in a new system, he lights it up. Whether Burrow is playing in this system and that's making him good, that's a question at the very least. Every quarterback is a system quarterback, Nick. Well, not true. There are some that are not. 
Kyler Murray is not because he improvises every play. Aaron Rodgers is not because he improvises every play. Every quarterback plays in a system. There are some guys who thrive because of their system, and there are some guys that thrive outside of their system. Two is an improviser. That's why I don't call him a system guy. And I don't use system guy as an insult. What I mean it is to differentiate from guys who love to play outside the fringe of what the plays are called. We'll get right back to Nick Suss after this brief word on Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Ole Miss is four and six, technically still eligible to go to a bowl. There is a scenario to where they could go to a bowl at five and seven. I want to get into the weeds of that in just a little bit, but tell me first, is there a path, any path at all? Because I don't see one. I can't be convinced of one to where Ole Miss upsets LSU this weekend. Uh, short of injury, I don't see one. Obviously, if there's a catastrophic injury on the LSU offense and they have to completely adjust their game plan it's possible but even then the only thing you can say is Ole Miss has played everybody close this year and close games can be random sometimes I don't think that's going to be the case this week though three touchdown underdogs to LSU we now know that there's no longer a quarterback question it's John Rice Plumlee's team Matt Corral got very few snaps against New Mexico State when you figured he'd at least get what a quarter if not a half against such a bad team, and yet there he was in mop-up duty in the fourth quarter. Obviously not happy about it, liked a tweet after the game, effectively saying he was going to enter the transfer portal. I don't think that's been quite decided yet, but you can tell us where he's leaning. Matt Corral looks destined to leave, so now your franchise, your entire program, is John Rice Plumley. Good, bad, wrong, what do you think? I don't know if it's good or bad because I think John Rice Plumley is inextricably connected to Rich Rodriguez in this offense. I have no idea what John Rice would look like in a non-Rich Rodriguez offense. And if Rich Rodriguez is here again next year, I think it's probably good because a quarterback in the same system for two years getting better is probably going to be good. Some of that depends on if John Rice does play baseball, which we mostly expect him to do because if he misses a spring of prep, well, then that's not all that 
different than having a new offensive coordinator anyway. But if Rich Rod is still here, if the offense is still doing what it does, John Rice can be good, especially with Jerry Ely and Snoop Connor returning as well. That said, if Ole Miss runs a different offense next year, I don't see how they can with John Rice as he currently is. He will need to take multiple steps forward as a passer and trusting himself as a passer in order for him to work in a non-Rich Rodriguez option run based offense. At this point in my sourcing, I feel comfortable saying both Matt Luke and Rich Rod will be back next year. If Rich Rod had his choice, I think he would go somewhere else. Not as an offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, because yeah. I do believe that he does have one foot out the door. That comes from a number of different sources that I've spoke to directly involved with the situation. But you're right. If John Rice Plumley is the program, if Rich Rod's the OC, if he's not the OC, it's going to be extremely hard for him to live out the dream of going and playing baseball for Mike Bianco and company, though I think he can do it, but he needs those spring practices. He's going to be the guy. He's going to have to make a choice early. Is baseball the second sport for me? Is it my number two priority? Is being the quarterback of Ole Miss the number one priority on my list? Or am I going to set both football and baseball back trying to straddle the fence? Because when you play that position, unlike with Jerrion, who's a running back, there is no middle ground. You're the guy. Yeah, I mean, you can present the Kyler situation anytime you want. But the and big the Jameis Winston between, situation. Yeah, you can present all of these as much as you want. But the big difference is Kyler knew coming out of high school he was going to be a first-round baseball pick. I mean, John Rice is a good baseball player. Let's not take anything away from him. He is an SEC baseball player, but he does not have that outward talent that Kyler had that made him the number nine pick in the MLB draft. That's why Kyler was able to balance it because he had to, to keep both draft profiles alive. Maybe I'm a skeptic. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think John Rice has that impetus to continue playing baseball. I think he just loves baseball. He's going to play baseball in some capacity. But my deal is, I don't think spring practices matter all that much, but it would be different if he was a sophomore or a junior with the offensive coordinator he's yeah. been with for two years. That's not the case. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's very different, and I think that's another reason that Kyler was able to do it at Oklahoma much more successfully than he did at Texas A&M. But all of this is to distract from the bigger question you asked, which is John Rice being the guy, good or bad. I think it's probably good. Having a guy is good. What could be bad is if we're in the same situation 12 months from now, arguing, well, is Robbie Ashford better? Well, they need some sort of consistency. I don't think anyone is competing with John Rice now. I think Robbie Ashford is coming in to redshirt, only play his four games to preserve his redshirt. He's the future because John Rice is the guy. And unlike other situations, Jameis, Kyler Murray, where they went and played baseball in the spring, with John Rice, it's not like he's been getting the full allotment of snaps and reps and practices in games as the number one quarterback. Not only was he in a competition in the preseason, not even in the competition, Matt Corral was the guy, but not only was he splitting carries and splitting reps and splitting passes with Matt Corral throughout the season, he's never had an offseason to where he's undeniably the number one quarterback. Now, we're assuming Matt Corral is leaving, but I think that's the safe assumption right now. Everyone over there in the um, Manning Center to a man believes he's gone. His parents were quite unhappy 
after the New Mexico State game. There's actually a rumor out there now that already there is a particular West Coast program that he is all but set to go to, that program being potentially Oregon. So Matt Corral could be out the door. That's two quarterbacks you've run off, both of which were four stars. You're going all in with John Rice. And now, John Rice, you have to decide if you're going all in back. It's hard to do both. It'd be different if you were the tenured, long-standing quarterback that was taking over. Here's the deal with the bowl situation. Ole Miss is 4-6. and six. Can't believe, still to this day, that they lost to not only Memphis, to not only Cal, but Texas A&M. They lost to Auburn when their defense played so well and they had every opportunity to win. Every winnable game they've lost, but they can still go to a bowl. Entering the weekend, they were number two in the APR rankings. Five and seven teams with such high APRs nationally are the first picked to go to a bowl if there is a shortage of bowl-eligible teams. And sometimes those teams are picked over even bowl-eligible teams if those teams are deemed more desirable. Is Ole Miss desirable right now? Depends on which bowl. If it's the Liberty Bowl, yeah. Uh, if it's a local southeastern bowl, potentially depends on how much the bowl can attract a fan base to fill itself up. I, I did a lot of research into this earlier today. I spent a lot of time looking at current APR rankings. And right now, the way it looks is there are 53 teams eligible for a bowl and there are 78 bowl slots. Six of those eligible teams are from the SEC right now. And there are, in a given year, 10 or 11 SEC bids, depending on how many teams make the college football playoff. If we're assuming just one SEC team makes it and we have 10 bids, and you're also making the assumption that Missouri does not become bowl eligible, which it may be, who knows what the NCAA is going to do with the Missouri situation. The easy way for Ole Miss to get in is Tennessee beats Missouri this weekend to get its sixth win. That's seven bids. And then South Carolina does not upset either Texas A&M or Clemson. Ole Miss beats Mississippi State. Vanderbilt doesn't win three in a row. If all of those things happen, which I think are all pretty doable, Ole Miss would be the eighth SEC team. The path is there. First, Ole Miss has to beat Mississippi State. No guarantee there. It's doable. But if that happens and the SEC continues to underwhelm as it has for most of this year, and Missouri does not get eligible, then you're looking at only seven teams being guaranteed bull bids for a 10-bid league. So Ole Miss becomes more enticing because you want to fill it out with SEC fan bases. You don't want to take Miami of Ohio if you have an SEC fan base there. No disrespect to the Red Hawks. But Ole Miss becomes enticing on pure scarcity. What would the response be from Ole Miss fans to that type of bowl scenario. You mentioned Missouri. That's another winnable game that Ole Miss lost. What would the fan attendance be for the Jim Bob Weed Eater Bowl? I mean, you're so close to just saying the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, which I'm pretty sure is a real game. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the attendance would be for the Gasparilla Bowl if Ole Miss was playing in it. I don't know how they would fill up Shreveport or Birmingham or Memphis, but... This is an Ole Miss fan base pretty starved, and I think that there's a large segment of the fan base that would just say, this, this is us getting something back after being screwed by the NCAA. This is us finally getting a win. There are some people who are going to say, hey, five and seven, fire the coach anyway. I don't care if you made a bowl. There are some people who can't be pleased. There are some people who can be pleased by anything. 
But I think the majority of people would say, hey, I'm happy to be rooting for a team that made a bowl game. Well, you know what the narrative would be for Matt Luke if that were to happen. Beat Mississippi State, go to a bowl based on your APR. If the decision came next year whether to keep or fire him, because you're not firing him this year, look, I can tell you with complete confidence, if Keith Carter gets the AD job, Matt Luke's getting another year. Quite frankly, I'd put the odds at Matt Luke getting fired at the end of this year at 17%. So you could see the narrative that, oh, wait, he went to a bowl. Yeah, he started one and four, but they back ended and went six and six to where 2021 is guaranteed. But again, I have the utmost respect for him. I hope he wins. I like him a lot as a person. The question he'll face is, can Ole Miss as a program ever truly win big again? with Matt Luke as its head coach. But you can see the narrative. You can see it being built. You go to a bowl at 5-7, and seven, the APR is good. Next year, you start 1-4, and four, everyone's mad, the attendance is still terrible, you're barely getting by, and yet they find a way to win because the back end of the schedule eases up pretty quickly. He goes to another bowl, be it the Liberty Bowl, maybe he goes to the Belk Bowl, I don't know. And now Matt Luke's here in 2021, and you're still stuck with the same problem. Is Matt Luke long-term the answer? And no one can definitively say one way or the other right now. Yeah, no, you're right. There's nobody who's going to be able to look into the future and say if things are going to work. But I think that if you're Matt Luke, your dream comparison is to say, hey, give me the time Kentucky gave Mark Stoops. He turned it around and he got that 10 win once every four years, which is pretty much what you want from Ole Miss to be competitive once every four years. And if he can point at Mark Stoops and say, hey, it worked at Kentucky, give the coach time, that might be the blueprint. That's not saying I think he's Mark Stoops. That's not saying I think he's better or worse than Mark Stoops. All it's saying is that's a blueprint. Maybe he can build off of that. Regardless, if you're wanting to get rid of him this year, it would cost $17 million to get rid of that entire staff. And Ole Miss does not have $17 million. Now, I'm fascinated to see if Ole Miss goes to Starkville for the Egg Bowl and gets its butt handed to it. Then what happens? Because the Egg Bowl is what got Matt Luke the job to begin with. So if the Egg Bowl got him the job, stands to reason, if they don't go in against a bad Mississippi State team, win, or if they get embarrassed that it could cost him his job. Yeah, I, I don't even know. It could. It really could. The difference between that 2017 game and this year's game is obviously winning against State this year, probably not as impressive as it was that year. But still, if he loses to this State team, if that's his sixth loss in a winnable game, man, I, I, I start to see your point. That voice you hear is Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's at Nick Suss on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, please, please leave a five-star review. You don't have to like me. You don't have to say anything nice. Just leave five stars when you leave that review, and you'll have done me a great service. Chris Coglin, all-time Ole Miss great, coming up right now, and he joins us on the Modern Woodman phone line. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? 
Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, joining me on the Modern Woodman phone line, former Ole Miss baseball great Chris Coglin, World Series champion Chris Coglin. Cogs, what's up, man? Hey, man. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me, Ben. Tell me what's been going on with you lately. Man, trying to figure out life. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've retired from baseball last year, and I feel like a college kid just coming out, trying to figure out this life and what the business world looks like. You spoke to the team recently, Ole Miss, of course. What was the message to them? Man, I it's just a, a passion of mine, and I feel um, so glued to, to as an Ole Miss Rebel that there were so many things uh, I wanted to impart, you know, that I wish that I could have heard maybe when I was that age or in their seat. But, you know, my thing, main thing was to them is, don't be afraid to take that next step to greatness. What greatness really looks like, you know, greatness to me um, is achieving, um, you know, what the, the best of your ability for what you've been given. All of us have different abilities and talents. So um, greatness isn't, you know, what I told them isn't throwing 95 or running a six, five, 60 or hitting the ball a mile and getting drafted. That's not greatness to me. Um, you know, greatness to me is like squeezing every ounce of juice out, um, of, of an orange or lemon, if you will, um, that you have. And so each one of them have different talents. So, you know, my, my challenge with them is to take the next step. Um, and in order to achieve greatness, it's done on many shoulders, not one. Um, and you know, there's been zero national championships, um, college world series championships and, um, Ole Miss's programs history. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's not like a negative. That's awesome. You guys have the opportunity in 2020 to be the first team ever in the program history to win a national championship. That's so much cooler than having a banner or being an all American or winning whatever other award. And, you know, from somebody who's, who's, been fortunate enough to win a championship. Um, there's nothing sweeter in team sports than being the last team standing. You accomplished so much in your Ole Miss career, but you didn't get that national championship. You came close. How much does that eat at you? <laughs> it does all the time. I mean, you never, it never leaves you. You know, I was just talking to my um, college roommate not that long ago. And, you know, when I had coming back, cause it made me think of so many wonderful memories being back um, and I was just, so I felt compelled to call him and, you know, just tell him I love him and all the great memories. And as we were reminiscing, you just, another thing I share with him, there's nothing worse than wasted talent. And, you know, in my life, you see wasted talent everywhere and it's a shame. Um, and so, 
you know, when I look back on my three years there, you know, I'm like, man, I should have been a better leader. You know, um, I should have not worried so much about elevating my game as much as I should have worried about elevating others game. And if I could have done that and had that selfless mindset, um, I think we would have been able to accomplish even better things, you know? And so that's one of my, I don't regret because I didn't have the equipment back then to do it. You know, if somebody would have challenged me or shown me how to do it, then, then if I didn't do it, that's a regret, but I didn't have the equipment at the time to do it. So I don't regret it. It's just one of those things I wish I would have been able to do. Um, you know, instead of just elevating my game and being a better athlete and being a better performer and getting drafted in the first round and all everything else, you know, I think back and I'm like, man, we should have been in the college world series. And not only should we have not have been in the world series, we should have won it. And I'm not as scared to say that. Oh, you look across the diamond cogs. That's one of the most talented teams Ole Miss ever had. Yeah. And it just shows you uh, anybody who's ever played in team sports, that talent doesn't win championships. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, there, there's many reasons why you win a championship. Things got to fall your way. Absolutely. But anybody who does anything great, anyone who wins a world series, anybody who wins a college world series, anybody who wins a national championship, right? Um, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what sex, it doesn't matter what sport. Everybody has the same common denominator is they were a brand, a, a band of brothers or sisters that pulled from the same rope and had each other's backs. That's the number one thing you'll hear every time. Hey, why is this team different? How did you accomplish it? We faced adversity. We stared at it right in the face. And all we did, instead of running or running at it with a bunch of individuals, we ran at it together and we solved the problem and we grew from it and we accomplished something great. And so that's, that's the difference. And, and I, I don't fault anyone else, but myself, I should have, I should have done more. And that's what I wanted to encourage the team is man, don't, don't wish you could have done more, do more, you know, and then be at peace, whatever the results may happen. I watched some of this speech and look, I am an unabashed Atlanta Braves fan and you absolutely terrorized Mm -hmm. my favorite team in the world constantly. (laughs) But you mentioned that your greatest accomplishment was the battle back to the Chicago Cubs, getting your way, forcing your way into that lineup and winning a World Series. What about that journey was so special for you? The trial, man, the adversity. Uh, Anybody who's done anything great at life, right? It doesn't matter if it's a sport or anything, you know, if it's Abraham Lincoln, if it's Martin Luther King Jr., if it's Christopher Columbus, if it's you know, I'm just off the top of my head, right? There's so many great, Albert Einstein, so many people, right, that impacted our culture, or our world. There was adversity. Listen to every one of their stories. So, you know, one of the things is like the difference why I was so proud was because adversity in a trial is a prerequisite to greatness. And when you're able to adopt that mindset, um, and, and you look at adversity totally different than like, woe is me. Why is this in my way? I hate this. This causes me pain. You know, instead you look at it like as an opportunity, like an opportunity to grow an opportunity to get better at whatever you're doing and accomplish something on the other side that it was, it was just like, all it was, was like fuel, man, is, is it helped you? You needed it to grow. 
And so that's when I look back, I'm like, man, that 14 year, there was so much adversity more than I can, you know, share in this conference call. Um, you know, you just, there was so much in there that it was, it was so much sweeter when I got to the other side, the reward from a personal satisfaction and gratification was so much sweeter than man, when I was younger and just balling and doing things, you know, just doing them. I've got a selfish question. Why was your success against the Braves so prevalent? What the heck did they do that allowed you to just beat the crap out of them constantly? Tell me the secret. I love the Braves. Um, I always had a little bit extra motivation because I love the stadium. I love the history. You know, just like most, I grew up watching the Cubs and, you know, the Braves on TV once I moved down to Florida. Another reason why is because, man, they just had bulldog pitchers. You know, I enjoyed facing Tim Hudson and I enjoyed facing Derek Lowe and I enjoyed them. I mean, I remember Tommy Hansen, you know, he passed away. He was legit for them or Chris Medlin, you know, all these guys. I just, I, I, I relish the fact that I got to, you know, if I didn't bring my A game, they were going to eat my lunch that day. And so it was, it was an easy choice. You know, I either go up there and, you know, um, step on their throat and, and compete, or I'm going to get my lunch eaten and I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> Well, from someone who grew up watching you play at Ole Miss to then going and beating my favorite team, you hurt Ben Garrett's feelings a lot, Chris. <laughs> hey, they, they won more games than we did when I was in Miami, so yeah. they still made out. <laughs> yeah, it made out, but you still won Rookie of the Year. You went on to win the World Series. Those are some of the greatest moments in your baseball career. But back to Ole Miss, when you look back at the career, what was your favorite moment? Mm, that's such a good question. Um I had so many wonderful memories when I was there. I, I would probably say when we won the SEC championship, you know, uh, that, that was just, that was so much fun playing them. We had to, that was the year. If I could look back, I think that was Oh five. If I could remember, it's been a long time, Yeah. but it, um, you know, we had to beat Florida. We, we, we lost to, to I think we lost to Florida that year. Um, and no, we lost to somebody in the, in the, in the tournament, but we had to beat Florida the next two games. And so Florida played in the national championship against Texas, who we ironically lost to two out of three and in the super regional. So we beat Florida that year, four out of six times, you know, we beat them two out of three in, in Gainesville, if I'm remembering correctly. And then we beat them two out of three in the sec tournament. So that's right. They did beat us the first game. And so we had to come back, beat them. And then I think we ended up beating Vanderbilt um, in the SEC championship. So again, just the adversity we lost early to play that many games, battle back. It's tough, man. All those teams are good. You got to have so much depth. You got to use your whole team, your whole bullpen, your whole staff, um, you know, and, and I think that's probably why I tell you, you know, we should have done better because you look at yeah, super regional Ben, and we lost that Super Regional in Texas after winning the first game, and they won the national championship. And my buddy, who I played with, uh, T-Guard, in, in Chicago, he told me years later, he's like, man, I remember when Augie Garrido told us, and we beat you guys beat us that Friday night. He said, if you beat this team, you will win the national championship. This is the best team you will play all year. And they beat us the next two times. I'm like, I, I was like, I don't even know if I feel better or more worse after you told me that. I feel worse because I was out in the outfield in 2005 when Stephen Head struck out against Jay Brent Cox to end that series. 
Texas goes and absolutely demolishes Omaha in the College World Series. And ever since 2005, it's 14 years later, and now I've gone from being at Ole Miss to covering Ole Miss for a living, and I still contend to this day that the two best teams in college baseball played that weekend, and the World Series was won in Oxford, Mississippi. We'll get right back to Chris Coglin, all-time Ole Miss baseball great, after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe you'll get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build-out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern, open concept, one-bedroom, two-bedroom. Whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. The Lamar is hot, the only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Well, I say it too. I mean, you think about Augie Garrido, I think he's passed too. But, you know, what a legend, right? And then that team was really good too, but we were more talented than they were. Um, but they, they were able to execute, you know, um, you know, they were bunning, right. They played a different style baseball than us. That was the other thing. Like every time they reached base, they bunted the next guy. You think about that game three. I still remember that 14 years later, that game three, I think they went like four for five or five for six. I think we lost six, four or something. They went four for five or five for six on. So picture this they had to they had to lead the inning off get on base and then they bunted them over and then they had to get a hit before they got two outs that is extremely difficult they did that four out of five times or five out of six times i think they hit one homer and then they manufactured four more runs or five more runs like the odds of that like that's why baseball is so tough right like 
the odds of that happening, like you couldn't do that. Like that, that's the time that it happened. Unfortunately, it happened against us. Um, but I do agree with you. It, 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 I do think it was one there. I am biased. They didn't lose another game. You know, if you recall, they didn't lose another game in the college world series. The last game they lost was against us. And see that eats me up. I'm a hardcore analytic saber guy and I hate bunting and they came to Oxford in that backwards Augie approach of bunting guys over. It worked. It somehow worked and only worked in Oxford, Mississippi. You let off the ninth or two outs in the ninth. You get a walk. Petway gets a single. Steven heads up. The go ahead runs on base. You know Steven Head's going to come through. I'm telling you, the atmosphere in that stadium when Steven Head struck out is just completely deflating because everyone knew that was probably, and I'm biased too, but that was probably the best Ole Miss baseball team ever. Yeah, the good thing is this 2020s happened still hasn't happened, so my hope is go. that they become the best team ever. See, you're so positive now. You know you could be a motivational speaker, Chris. <laughs> well, I don't know. I hope I can impact more than just motivating people. I do think inspiring people is one thing, but creating gains is a whole different animal. But um, I am blessed for the career that I had and the adversity I got to face. And then the rewards of, of greatness that I got to experience, you know, I do think um, it's helpful to to be able to share that story. It's not just my story. So, you know, I enjoy sharing it. Because I came and visited you when um, the Iowa Cubs visited the Redbirds. And walking yeah. in the locker room, you were there playing, I think, cards with some of your teammates. Here's the vet who'd won a World Series just trying to make it back to the pros. It was, I think, one of the last years of your career and it shows the work that's put in. I don't think fans quite understand what it's like there in the minors, adversity you face there just to try to get back to that point. Yeah, no, I mean, I think nobody wants to be in a hopeless situation. That's always the, the most difficult. Um, I, I When I look back on it, I mean, I was tore my shoulder up in 17. I came back and, um, you know, and I was playing and I knew my chances were really bleak. Um, the team was really good. Even Theo Epstein was like, Hey man, we don't really have a spot for you. Um, but you know, you can, you can rehab, you know, um, and you can see what happens, but I just, I just want to shoot you straight. And I, I was like, Theo, listen, you've one, you've told me that before. <laughs> he <laughs> laughed. And then two, I said, you know, I just, I want to, I want to give it one more shot. You know, I tore my shoulder. I'd hate to go out like that. Um, I'd like to give it one more shot. And out of respect, he gave me a shot, you know. Um, and so it was great. And it was it was painful. It was humbling. Like, I mean, absolutely. You know, two years ago, you're starting game one of a World Series and you look up later and you have a shoulder surgery and you're like in, you know, Memphis playing the Redbirds with a bunch of 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds. And you're, you're 33, 34 years old going, wow, this is crazy. I didn't see this day coming. It came fast. Um, so, but it was, it was all, it was sweet. It was sweet. It was a sweet last year. Um, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way because it was a great, um, way for me to ride out and realize I gave the game all I had. I honored my craft, honored the Lord and I honored my family. And, you know, I'm going out in AAA. no better way to do it. All right, here's my deal. Ole Miss Chris Coglin would have no problem answering this question honestly. This Chris Coglin, humble, thankful, blessed, I might not get exactly what the truth is, but you got to answer it honestly. That left side of the infield with you and Cozart, 
it doesn't get any better than that. That's the best that there ever was. Man, I'm honored uh, that that your opinion, you share uh, that opinion. I don't know. I don't know if. Um, no, I'm serious, man. I'm, I'm I'm answering. I don't know everyone who is before us, so I'd want to honor them. I just know that I hope there's somebody on left side that's better than we were uh, at some point in the future. I genuinely hope that. I have no uh, ego to try to hold that down because. That would be awesome for the program if they had two guys that were better than we were on the left side. Nothing got by y'all. <laughs> uh, ask Coach Mack. He would remind you how many airs I made. <laughs> and I'll look back and go, gosh, Lee, he would chew me out, man. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was great. We pushed each other. I mean, that's what's cool about competition. There's, there's nothing better than when, you, when you're a competitor at the core – you know, you look over and you're just like, I want to be the best version of myself. And, and, and I never saw a guy in college pick it like he could as short. And even in the big leagues, like people underestimate him. He could borderline win some gold gloves. You're talking about the best in the world now, not just college, not just the SEC. You're talking about the best on the planet. And he's like up there with a handful of them, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's lost his range now, but man, when he was there at short in Cincinnati, we played him all the time. I'm like, bro, the guy can flat out pick it. Don't hit it to him. You're out, you know? Uh, so he always inspired me because I was like, man, I want to be better. I want, I want to be just as good as he is when it comes to the defense. And, you know, hopefully I was able to do the same thing for him. I've always said that the only other shortstop that's even gotten into the conversation, it's never going to be better, but gotten into the conversation with Cozart was Greg Kessinger. Now he's a second-round pick of the Astros. He's going about and embarking on his Major League Baseball career. What advice would you have for a guy like that that are now going to go through what you went through and trying to get to the majors and the journey and the tough road ahead for them that they're going to face? Man, don't lose your bite. Um, there's many things I'd, sh- I'd share. I'd say, hey, sell out, man. You only got one shot at this. So put everything you got into it, sacrifice, you know, um, as much as you need to sacrifice in order to reach your God-given talent. Um, And so for me, it's remember you're competing against the world. You're not competing against college. You're not competing against your peers. You know, you're competing against the world. And there's always somebody coming to take your job, you know, so you better take nothing for granted. You got to be a one-man business too, don't you? Yeah, we, I used to say this, um, I used to tell guy, well, I still do sometimes, but I have to get to know them so they understand my context, but you're the CEO of a one man company. Um, and it's the truth. And so, you know, in the game of baseball, it's so cutthroat, it's a business. And I used to hear that as a kid, I remember watching on TV and be like, he's so greedy, mom, you know, why is he talking about that? That's what MLB wants you to think because they own all the media, you know, so they get to control the picture that they want to have. But the reality is, is it is a business and they will release you and cut you no matter if they, if they want to. So if you don't fight for your career, nobody will. And so I, you know, I saw it because you see all of the political mess behind the scenes that fans don't get to see. Um, And when you live and you breathe it, and you're like, man, this thing's ugly and sticky and yucky, um, you know, because there's just too much money on the line. And anytime there's money on the line, you know, you get some ugly stuff that comes uh, out from that. But I, I just, I look back and I'm just like, man, I'm just grateful for the time that I had. 
Two more, and I'll let you go. First off, when you lift that World Series trophy, for those of us who will never, ever experience something like that, describe that feeling, what it was like. Mm, Great question. Um, They made us wait 30 minutes for the TV to come in the room. What? So it really, it really like sucked the energy and the excitement out. Yeah. So you win, you go up, you party, right? It's raining. Everybody, you go up there. And I think Fox, I can't remember. Kevin was doing the game. For, and so he comes in there. The commissioner comes in there. The owner's in there. They set up the stage. And you're like, bro, I'm ready to pop some bottles. Like, get the heck out of here. Like, I'm, when are we going to pop some bottles? And it probably was 35 minutes before they did the interview. So all the TV and you're just sitting there waiting for your goggles and you're freezing, you're soaking wet and you just want to pop some bottles and celebrate and kick everybody out um, and just celebrate with the boys. So when we finally touched the world series, I was like, I got to kiss this thing. That's what I always see people do on TV. Um, and it was neat, but it was more, I don't mean to sound cliche. It was just more the emotion, man. It was like, you can have the trophies. Like I just, I just got the memory with my boys, you know, all, all 25 of us that nobody can take away. Um, so I know that kind of misses your, your question a little bit, but it, it was really cool to host the trophy. It was really cool. The first time to ever to see it in person and touch it. I got to kiss it. I got to touch it. I got to take a picture with it. All of that was awesome. I took a picture with my wife and my son, at like four in the morning, right? You know, we still hadn't even left the stadium and that was great, but it was really just that memory of popping bottles, celebrate and sitting down in our soaking wet clothes and just laughing and talking about what we were just able to accomplish, pinching ourselves. Well, to end this on a light note, Hunter Madry at GH Madry on Twitter, he heard you were coming on the podcast and he wanted me to ask you, if he sees you, will you sign his Greensboro Grasshoppers Chris Coglin jersey? <laughs> I will definitely do that. Boom. Please, come find me. I'll, I'll sign it for you. There you go, Huntington. Just hit up Cogs. He'll sign that Greensboro Grasshoppers jersey for you. There it goes. He's one of the best Ole Miss baseball players ever. The best to you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. We'll talk again. Yeah, Ben. You're the man. Go Rebs. Howdy toddy. That was all-time Ole Miss baseball great Chris Coglin on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Nick Suss coming back in just a second. But first, let's hear from BNA Bank, which powers Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with me now is Nick Suss at Nick Suss on Twitter. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And when you leave that review in iTunes, make sure it's five stars. Say whatever you want. If it's five stars, boom, you've taken care of me. And I appreciate it. Ole Miss basketball picked up a huge commitment on Saturday. Matthew Morell the number 43 player in the country, four-star prospect, 
Now, Ole Miss only has one open scholarship, and that now belongs to Matthew Morrell. Jarkel Joyner, who's sitting out this year, is going on scholarship next year. They're going to have to make room. Ole Miss is still not out of it with Jamin Brakefield, who committed to Duke, who was Ole Miss's number one priority for two years. The lead-up to Wednesday, which is the opening of the early signing period for basketball, could be, could be a circus. But we don't know that yet. We don't know where Jamin is yet. But Ole Miss is not out of it on Jamin Brakefield. Your thoughts first on Matthew Morrell and second on Ole Miss basketball recruiting. If you think of him as a consolation prize, you're thinking it wrong because he's going to be a very important contributor for this team. Absolutely. This is not a consolation prize at all. This is a potential one, if not two and done guy if everything falls right. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that's super important to this team next year, especially if, well, when Brian Tyree is a senior, when Brian's no longer on the team, Morrell should be somebody who can pick up some of that scoring, albeit probably different style of guy, but he should be able to pick up some of that scoring. If you can go out and get Breakfield too, then you start to think, well, I mean, Devontae Shuler has been great. Does he want to go to the NBA? Uh, and that's the extra scholarship spot because that's a, that's a possibility there. But even without that, the recruiting has been not just for the men's team, but the women's team is also going out and doing incredible recruiting in this cycle. You have to be impressed by how Ole Miss has been able to sell its basketball image, even coming off of brutal seasons for both teams two years ago and last year for the women's team. It's an impressive situation. You're starting to prove me wrong because the one thing I always said was Kermit's always going to be a winning coach, but probably won't attract 1A talent. If he's a winning coach and attracting 1A talent, this is going to be a a top half of the SEC contender year in and year out. Every year, and with the talent on campus, could compete for not only the Sweet 16, which Ole Miss has only been to one time, but going further. Because imagine this. Ole Miss lands Matthew Morrell, that's happening. And the long shot, maybe not a long shot, but just the dream scenario of landing Jamin Brakefield happens too. If you're Franco Miller and if you're Carlos Curry, you're on the clock. You have to show this year that you can play, that you can contribute and provide Ole Miss minutes that are valuable. Otherwise, you're getting replaced. And there are other players on the roster as well that could also be on the clock. But those are the first two, considering their position and the two players Ole Miss could potentially get come the early signing period this Wednesday. Players are now having to play for their jobs, for their spots on the roster. And Ole Miss loved Franco Miller coming out of high school. Loved him. Hadn't been able to stay healthy. He's healthy now, but he hasn't shown much so far. They've only played two games, one of which was an exhibition There's plenty of time for a Franco to show out and prove he belongs. Same with Carlos Curry. But you heard Kermit after the exhibition when Carlos started. He said, bless him, he just wasn't very good tonight. And it's not like he came back a couple of days later and was effusive in his praise of Carlos for some great performance. Same type of deal. If you're on this roster and you're not performing the way this staff is recruiting, you could be replaced pretty quickly. Let's not also ignore the kid who reclassified and will effectively be a part of that recruiting class next year. So it's not just going to be one guy. It's yeah, Sean be a, Robinson is a part of the 2020 class. Yeah, it, it will be a new team next year. There will be a bit of a reinvention, but it's also just proof that if Kermit can get this train rolling, there's no reason Ole Miss can't be a contender in the top half of the SEC. 
Ole Miss beat Arkansas State 71-43 to on Friday and didn't even play particularly well. I can remember in previous seasons when Ole Miss would go into a game against a not very good team to open the year, not play particularly well, and only win by like, what, eight, nine points, and that would be because a Chris Warren hit back-to-back-to-back threes in a tie game to make it look like a better final score than it was, like it wasn't as close as it was. But Ole Miss, I think the talent showed. They're going to drop a few games early. I believe that's going to happen. I think once the SEC slate comes, they could be mightily impressive because they showed through that game that even at their worst, their talent sometimes is just going to be better than the team that's lined up across. Yeah, and to speak really reductively, Brian Tyree's not going to shoot two for nine every game. No. Like, he's going to warm up at some point. So, I mean, if you win that game 71-43 to with your top scorer being ice cold, that projects well. And sure, Arkansas State's Arkansas State, but that projects well for some of these very important non-conference matchups against Memphis and Wichita State and Butler and Penn State and whichever other team they play in Brooklyn going to play very importantly uh, for those five games. Uh, That's going to be huge. I ask Nick Suss every time he's on the podcast, which has been a handful of times the last couple of weeks, every Tuesday, the most important Ole Miss storyline you're following this week. What is it this week? Well, we haven't really talked about the whole lady search thing, and I think that's going to be heating up. That's going to be something that's uh, intensifying. I think you've heard some of the same things I've heard about Thanksgiving being a latest possible date, but definitely not an earliest possible date. But I have no idea what they're going to do about it. I think that that's the thing to monitor because there's going to be a lot of chatter. They are going to have an AD in place by no later than Thanksgiving. But man, what a timeline. That's quick. Yeah, and I've heard some sooner dates too. I don't trust them because I don't trust anybody. But... Yeah, it's it's going to be fast. They're going to move quick. And whether that means they always they always had a name in mind or whether they're going to be going with the internal candidate or whatever it means, they're going to move real fast. What are you working on? I am working on a couple of stories heading into this LSU game. Uh, one, speaking of the AD search, just being I gathered a lot of fan reactions to uh, what they want. So the fans will get to read about themselves. That's always nice. A couple of nice player stories uh, heading into senior night. You always want to highlight some of the guys who have been here through thick and thin, and there's been a lot of thick and a lot of thin in the last four or five years at Ole Miss. So it's going to be nice to hit on some of those guys. And a couple other stories following up on booze, following up on attendance stuff, following up on the general beat stuff that I try to keep up with, I guess. Who knows? I'm not that important. He's Nick Suss. At Nick Suss, covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. How can they read your stuff? Where can they find all your stuff? Go to clarionledger.com, download the Clarion Ledger app, get push notifications, subscribe to the website. If you're uh, the type of person who likes to read tactile things, feel free to subscribe to a newspaper. That's a thing you can still do. Uh, but yeah, mainly clarionledger.com, at Nick Suss on Twitter. Facebook, I think, is CL Sports, and you can read stuff pretty consistently about Ole Miss, Mississippi State, high schools, Southern Miss, whatever interests you. We're a statewide paper. 
He's Nick Sussman. Thanks to Chris Coglin, all-time Ole Miss baseball. Great. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.